0: This podcast contains graphic or mature material. Depictions of murder, violence, and graphic images are discussed in detail during this podcast. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back. We are coming in hot with our third case for episode five. Mm -hmm. In case you haven't been here before, we are the Cold Case Crew. We are a group of friends who have gotten together to discuss some of the oldest cold cases around in hopes of bringing new life and perhaps a new hope of resolution to a decades-old story that has long since been silenced. My name is Whitney. It's Ashley. And I'm Beth. righty, Let's just dive right in, shall we? Let's go. Today, we will be telling you the story of Angela Sharice Gwen Stevens, known to her friends and family as Sharice, and for the remainder of the podcast, I will refer to her as Sharice. Sharice was born on June 27, 1970 to Thomas and Sherry Gwen. She attended Mount Hope High School and graduated in 1988. She was described as a very outgoing and friendly girl, but she was known to have a temper at times. She was the head majorette and was voted best dressed her senior year. Charisse was full of life, spirited, adventurous, and always down to have a good time with her friends. One story that we were told in particular described Charisse trying to teach her best friend how to drive a stick shift in Oak Hill, in the high school parking lot. (laughs) Now, if any of you guys know anything about trying to drive a stick shift, there is a lot of stalling that can happen, and that causes people and things to jolt. And as you can imagine, there were a lot of laughs. And uh, maybe a little bit of profanity that ensued as well. I would say a lot of profanity. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can tell you that the first time I had to go out, my father actually said, Before you can go get your license, I'm taking you to Prince Street. So, anybody listening that lives in Beckley and has been stopped on the hill at the stoplight at Prince Street knows that is the hardest. Hill to pull out on with a stick shift you gotta have fast feet
1: you basically think you're gonna die yep. Charisse liked the finer things in life and she was always very put together in fact her friends joked that Charisse never wore the same outfit twice when she graduated high school she moved to durham north carolina and began work at a chiropractor's office however within about four to five months she would return home to the mountain state Charisse joined the Navy, but was prematurely discharged after aggravating a pre-existing injury from a car wreck.
2: Yeah. What was it, the month before she left for basic training that she got in a car wreck and hurt her back real bad? No, yeah. oh, I just hate that though. You know, she's like wanting to go and start this new thing.
1: and She began work at Spartan Sporting Goods at the Crossroads Mall in Beckley, and it is here that she meets her husband, Norman Stevens, in October of 1991. It was Halloween, and Norman, who worked for UPS, took notice of the pretty girl dressed up as Dolly Parton. He was on a delivery at the store at the time. Their romance was a little bit of a whirlwind, with the couple tying the knot only seven months after, on May 2nd, 1992, in Parisburg, Virginia. And there would not be a formal wedding, just a quiet courthouse ceremony. Fast. He must have been a bit of a charmer. Minds are running.
0: We all know Parisburg. Parisburg. It's place a, pla- let's see, a low place to go. Let's see, place to go.
1: Now, prior to meeting Norman, Charisse had moved out of her parents' home and in with her maternal grandmother, her mother Sherry’s mother. Things were tense and there was notably some friction at home. Her mother described Norman as polite and kind based on her very limited interaction with him. Charisse had drawn away from her family and didn’t come around much after her marriage to Norman. The couple traveled on the weekends and loved to spend time at Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia, where Norman’s family was known to have a cabin. They also were known to frequent Daytona Beach, Florida, as well as North Carolina. Charisse loved to ride on jet skis and could be a bit of a daredevil on the water. I think we heard a couple stories about the stunts and tricks she would do on the jet ski. Many days were spent on the lake with good friends where a lot of treasured memories were made, and I know that those memories are super important to her friends now, looking back. There was a report of tension between Charisse and another coworker at Spartans, but it's unknown what or with whom it was regarding. Charisse had began taking classes at the College of West Virginia, but by September 1993, she would ultimately drop her final class, claiming that it didn't fit into her schedule. It was actually on this day, September 29, 1993, that Charisse had her final encounter with her family, though it was noted that nothing seemed out of the ordinary. On Friday, October 1st, 1993, Charisse drove Norman to work, just like any other day, at UPS in Beckley. She drove off in the couple's white Dodge Daytona, and she has not been seen or heard from since.
2: I feel like if she was planning something, that uh, she would be acting weird, because she kind of sounds like a little bit like me, and I'm very... Transparent? Yeah. So I'm just saying, I don't think that
1: she was, just had any future reason. plans. Yes, I agree. There are several things to note regarding the events that followed Teresa's disappearance. Firstly, Norman claims that he got a ride home from a coworker when Sharice failed to pick him up. However, after speaking to someone close to the case, we've learned that Norman's story was corroborated by an employee from UPS. The other side of that, though, is that the anonymous coworker was unable to provide any further information other than the fact that he just gave Norman a ride home after seeing him standing around after his shift. For instance, he drove him home. He could not tell you if their car was there. He could not tell you if anybody else was there. He just Looks like he didn't think to pay attention. I mean,
0: there was no reason to pay attention at that point.
1: Norman also failed to report Sharice missing to her family until days, maybe even like a week later. In fact, he never even used the term missing. He -hmm. called her family up and said, Hey, Sharice left me. And we're not even sure of the time frame. He said that she called him from an unknown location in North Carolina and told him she had a job and she was not coming back.
2: Like, I would hope that my husband would be like, She's...
1: Please don't leave me. She's not—not not even to me, but to my parents. Just be
2: like, hey, she's not here. Just want to let you know. Even if me and my parents are not getting along or whatever,
0: like I would hope my like, significant just, other would don't say, just "Let it go." I haven't seen
1: her. She didn't pick me up from work. There's something wrong. Things were maybe a little bit tense, but still, right. It was said that in the days leading up to the day she went missing, Sharice had made several phone calls to her best friend Paula. She even met up for a lunch date with her friend on October 1st, the day she went missing. During this time, Charisse expressed that she and Norman had been having problems and asked if she could move in with her friend. And much like any good friend, Paula agreed, but she would never get the chance to move in. That leads us to the million dollar question though. Why would Charisse bother to line up living arrangements locally if she had planned to leave town? Her friend was her ride or die.
0: Absolutely. She had already talked to her about moving in with her and she would have let her know if she was going to North Carolina, that would have been the first person she told.
2: It wouldn't have been, hey, can I move in? It would have been, I'm rolling out. Can you cover my back?
0: Yeah, like I got a job in North Carolina. I'm heading out. I just want to let you know I love you. You need me. This I'll is be where i yeah, Paula know. would
1: have definitely known. So why didn't Norman contact Paula? Why didn't Norman say, hey, Charisse didn't pick me up today. Do you know where she's at? On October 27th, 1993, Norman Stevens filed for divorce. Hmm. Though the divorce would not be finalized until February 14th, 1994, the couple had only been married for a year and five months. Perhaps the most puzzling thing was the fact that he filed 26 days after Charisse went missing. I don't think that looks real good for him. I just, I don't. I feel like he jumped the gut on that. Like, she calls and says she's not coming back, and you're like, oh, well, better file for divorce. Or you know she didn't call, and... If somebody files
0: for divorce... And there's nobody there to sign or contest. It's not going to be granted until they track that person down. Most of the time, until they're declared deceased, they're not considered divorced. I think maybe there was some money in somebody's pockets back then.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. I've never given that much thought. One month to the day after she vanished on November 1st, 1993, Charisse's white Dodge Daytona just shows up in the parking lot of UPS with the keys left above the visor. There's no trace of Sharice with the reappearance of the vehicle. And within the month, Stevens would sell the car. Now, police did eventually track down and get a hold of the vehicle and were able to search it thoroughly, but I'm not sure at what point they were able to obtain the vehicle. However, by the time they did get a hold of it, there were no clues left as to what happened to Sharice.
2: And we can for sure
1: tell them. They definitely went <laughs> through that definitely. car. Since it is in their impound lot. Oh, they searched it thoroughly. And they very searched thoroughly. it very thoroughly.
0: But I'm going to just say this. Back then, that was a hot car. It was a hot little car in
1: 1993. Well, how the hell does it
0: just show up? Why would he sell it? I mean. Two
1: weeks later. I don't even think it was a month. Why I don't would you was get like rid of such a cool car?
2: Maybe he's thinking, oh, she gave it back to me. I'm going to get rid of it. And
1: she, I don't think she would give it back. By the following September, Norman had moved out of the couple's residence on Bolt Mountain. Ironically, the same month, Charisse's family calls the Raleigh County Sheriff's Department to report Charisse missing. At this point, it's been 11 months since Charisse's disappearance, and the family had begun to get worried. There was no communication from their loved one in almost a year.
0: And let's just say no use of her social security number either.
1: When the police became involved with the investigation, they reached out to discuss what Norman knew about Charisse's whereabouts. He basically regurgitated the fact that he didn't know where she was, that she had left him, and then wouldn't cooperate with the police investigators any further. He refused a polygraph, and he was said to have lawyered up and shut everything and everyone down. So what'd you say,
2: innocent until proven guilty? So why not just try to clear your name?
1: But, I mean, take a polygraph. Clear,
0: clear your name. If you haven't done anything, why do you need a lawyer? And why won't you take a polygraph? Just
1: Clear your name. Get on with your life. At the time of Sharice's disappearance in 1993, the Breckenridge Missionary Baptist Church, which the couple attended, was under construction for the building of a new addition, and the septic tank had been exposed. Now, shortly after Sharice's disappearance, the area in question was paved over. A year later, when police began to get involved... They requested to search the church property, and in particular, the septic tank. Thomas Gwynn Sr., Charisse's father, even offered to pay for the excavation out of his own pocket. There was a closed-door meeting regarding whether or not to allow a search of the property between members of the church, including Tom Harmon and Dewey Lowe, who was the minister at the time. Surprisingly, the church refused, stating that if they wanted to search, they better come back with a warrant. And without probable cause, they were unable to move forward with the search. Something interesting to note, though, is that Tom Harmon is Norman Stevens' uncle and lived next door to Sharice and Norman at the time. It's very odd. You're not paying for anything. Your parking
2: lot is going to get tore up and put back together.
0: Well, I mean, someone is willing to pay out of his pocket. And, and it was actually, it wasn't paving. It was concrete. So... To tear up concrete—that's an expensive job—and then to replace it. And also, we need to make sure people know the septic tank was not in use. Not in at that point. It, they were shutting down use of that septic tank, and it was not in use. To me, it's, it's just, a church,
1: and this is a member of the congregation. Why wouldn't you do anything to help find her? You know, that's I what mean, I don't
0: understand. I just don't get it.
1: There have been several witness accounts that place Sharice with Tom Harmon on the day she went missing. Now, I will say this. They were neighbors. Right. I'll throw that up. They were neighbors. Several residents in the area claimed to have witnessed Sharice walking with Harmon and that it appeared as though he was escorting her with his hand on her arm.
0: Leading her away. Yes. To some unknown location.
1: Was it leading her away or was it leading her towards their house? I'm not yes. sure. It just says that he was scene with her with her uh, with his hand on her arm and he as though he was escorting her and that was in a newspaper article that i found all right
0: well and then she went missing right after that so
1: but here's Hmm. the thing here's the thing with the timeline though like she drops norman off i assume I don't know what time EPS would get to work, but like okay, let's say like it's a normal nine to five, like nine A. M. She drops off Norman. It's, it's probably like seven ish. Okay. I was thinking it's probably earlier because they 7 get Seven or eight, it. yeah. But okay, she drops Norman off at work and then we know that she had lunch with her friend Paula. That was she around probably twelve went home, or one.
0: Shower, makeup, dress. If she wasn't already had already done that.
1: So and worked out, because she did like to work yes, out. Yes, She could have gone and worked out, and then gone home and gotten ready, went and met her friend for lunch. In mm-hmm. fact, I think she picked up her friend, mm-hmm. um, from if I'm remembering correctly. And, but here's the thing, like, did you see Tom before? Did you see Tom after? Throughout the interim of time, Thomas Gwynn Sr. and the Gwynn family, slews of friends, worked tirelessly to keep Charissa's disappearance alive. The family canvassed the area, sought out eyewitnesses, put up flyers all around Bolt Mountain and the surrounding areas. On April 5, 1997, the West Virginia State Police officially took over Sharice's case from the Raleigh County Sheriff's Office at the request of the Gwynn family. It is this year, nearly three years after Sharice's disappearance... they are finally able to gain access to the farm and the property where Sharice and Norman lived. A thorough search of the area was conducted and despite a hit by one of the cadaver dogs, no results were yielded. There were no signs of Sharice. This further cemented in the minds of the family that there were clues to her disappearance at the Breckenridge Church. I mean, I don't know how long something can be there
2: for a cadaver dog to pick up. It was three years after she disappeared, before they were able to search. I can't comment on that, because I don't really know.
1: Although he never gave up hope that he would find out what happened to his daughter, Thomas Gwynn Sr. was never able to have that chance. In March of 2008, he unexpectedly died. Before his death, he expressed to loved ones that, when I enter heaven, I'll know exactly what happened to her. And since the time of his father's death, Thomas Quinn Jr. has taken over the search efforts, promising his father that he would not give up hope on finding Sharice. I hope he did find out what happened to her.
0: I hope she was there waiting for him when he crossed over. That would give me a little bit of peace.
1: It makes me really sad to read that, though, because I am, you know, I have two kids, and I can't imagine if something happened to either one of them.
0: Well, it kind of takes me back to some of our other cases where a parent is deceased, and I feel so bad for the parents.
1: In 2014, 21 years after her disappearance, Charisse Gwen Stevens was declared legally dead. In July of the same year, the West Virginia State Police obtained a warrant to search an old coal mining store located in Crab Orchard that was owned by Michael Stevens, Norman's brother. The building was in such disrepair that the West Virginia State Police ended up demolishing it. There was a bone recovered from the property. However, after closer examination, it was found to be an animal bone and not human remains. Well, thankfully, it was an animal bone. Well, yeah, I'm glad it wasn't
0: human remains. But and
1: they took it. Where did
0: they take it to? Um, Smithsonian. Yeah, to actually to somebody that works for the Smithsonian looked into it. Which it's kind of nice that we know that we can get things like that done around
1: here. Finally, in September of 2017, 24 years after their initial attempt to search the property, the Gwynn family, along with the West Virginia State Police, were granted access to the Breckenridge Missionary Baptist Church. Now, per the agreement, they were allowed to access and search the old septic tank underneath the church parking lot. Unfortunately for the Gwynn family, the search bore no results and only added to the mounting questions regarding Charisse's disappearance.
0: Hallelujah
1: that they were able to
0: search, you know, because they could at least put that out of their head that she's not there and start to think about other places.
1: Like I said, about damn time. Yeah. Now, there are some questions as to whether a body would be completely disintegrated after having been left in a septic tank for so many years. But my personal opinion, and you guys, I'm not an expert in this field. I just feel like there should have been something. A piece of clothing or maybe one of the larger bones, like pelvis or...
0: The femur, and it's the strongest bone. I will tell you that just from some of the people that we have talked to, because that septic tank had not been used, we know that there would have been something. They would have found something.
1: I truly believe there would have been something left. Yeah. The Gwen family is currently offering a $1,000 cash reward up to $5,000 for any information that results in the solved murder of Sharice Gwen Stevens. At the time of her disappearance, the only known possession Sharice was said to have had on her person was a one carat diamond and gold band. This wedding band held special significance to the Stevens family and was said to have been in part an heirloom or to have contained an heirloom. She also is said to have had her driver's license, but it expired in 1996. Charisse has double pierced ears and wears contact lenses. And the family has set up a PO box for any tips to be sent directly to them. The address is PO Box 131, Glen Jean, West Virginia, 25846. Now I'm going to go ahead and open this up for discussion and commentary during this part of the podcast. We collectively volley around ideas and raise questions regarding the discrepancies in the case. Now. Ladies, which one of you would like to begin?
0: Well, I think we all know where we kind of lean with this case. And I just feel like if you have nothing to hide and you've done nothing wrong, please come forward. Take the polygraph. Quit hiding behind a lawyer. Do something to get us down another path. Because us, along with some of the amazing police that we work with would like to find some type of end to this. It's just been too many years. And her being close to the same age as I am, apparently I knew her. So it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart.
2: We want to hear that side of the story. Yes. We get one side, her side. So let's get eyes off of you and do the other side.
1: So there are a couple of things I want to bring up. One is when they declared her legally dead. Mm -hmm. and we did have the pleasure of speaking to her mother, and her mother was actually not present for this. She was told that she did not need to be present for this. Thought it was just going to be... The law enforcement and the judge. Now, what actually ended up happening was... Her brother and her friend and lots of family members were present. I think an aunt was there and she felt very excluded. Like they were trying to single her
2: out. Oh, Sharice's mom didn't come but she was told not to come she was told not to come that it was just gonna be the two of them, the law enforcement. Well,
0: and the- I, I hope that that was just like a
1: misunderstanding. I did think it was important to share her side of that because like I've said before, I am a mother and you want to be there for things like that and and you absolutely should. You should be there. Right. You brought her into this world. you should be there when you find out what's going on and with matter, her and no matter no matter
2: what your relationship is if you're getting along, not getting along. If you love each other, if you hate each other, if you're best friends, like whatever it is, she's still your daughter.
1: Exactly.
0: I want to put this out there. I know the two of you as mothers, I'm a dog mom, but you all are wonderful mothers. And I think you are great mothers. I really do. Thank you. And I know that if something happened to your child, there would be no.
2: Oh, you're not going to tell me not to go there. Hell hath no fury like a yeah, mother's right. like,
0: And, dude, I'd be right behind either one of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I love your kids just as much as you do. And I can tell you that there would be no pause. There would be no questions. There would be no time passing by.
1: Oh, they couldn't have kept me out of that courtroom. No.
2: No.
0: no. And I don't think that that would ever be, with either one of you, I don't think that would ever be a question.
2: I don't think they would have kept me out of the um, parking lot.
0: No. <laughs> We'd be down on our hands and knees. We would be
1: digging with a shovel if we had to. I also would like to point out that when we did speak to Sharice's mom, she mentioned that Norman did return Sharice's yearbooks and he came and visited with them. I don't know if her father was present, but I know he visited with her. I think it was both of them.
2: They were both there. I think they
1: were both there. And I think it was
2: August of the following year. Yes. Ashley actually had the pleasure of speaking with her personally. Mm -hmm. And like they just sat down at their kitchen table and had a conversation. And like he returned all of her yearbooks because that's what. Her mom wanted. There was no tension.
1: Yeah, she said he was she said he polite, and polite and kind. Polite and, and kind,
2: and
0: there was. He didn't bring those cute outfits back that she wanted them.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is some question as to what happened to her belongings and her. I think there was like some exercise equipment, maybe. I'm not sure about that,
2: but I know there was some of her clothes hanging in the closet at their house mm-hmm. because whenever. Her mom went there to just like look through. I don't know what she was doing. She said, I know that's her clothes because I bought those outfits for her. That's how I know.
1: We also learned that they searched the Breckenridge Church twice. They did. Now I'm not sure what they searched the second time. That was mentioned very briefly to us. It was just, oh, they searched the church twice. Like I wish we could just write off
2: the church. Oh, they were searched. Like it's fun, but for you
1: to have a closed door meeting and not immediately not jump let jump the law, en-
2: like it's not just like anybody, like the law enforcement to search your property. A sketch. Okay. Can I just say something about this? I have to say this because it's in
0: my brain and it's been in my brain ever since this whole church search and everything has happened. But they took so long to approve it. What could have happened in that time? Shift of people in charge for one or moving remains
1: don't think about that that what? is a possibility
0: just putting that out what was there it, four,
1: 14 years yeah but how would she have been down there that long if they paved over it they would have had to have moved her before they paved over it
0: how do we know they didn't bust up the concrete in the middle of the night sometime move the remains and put it back
1: well now we're being speculative but i see where you're going with yes that. i
0: am being speculative but i do know a lot about concrete
1: and we did think maybe Smith Mountain Lake because they're always That was my initial gut was Smith Mountain
2: Lake. But we yeah. were informed that they did Drag the lake drag twice. The lake twice. Which
0: we haven't gotten any proof from police Law enforcement. about mm-hmm. that. So
1: That's something I am curious about. Did they actually search Smith Mountain Lake?
0: Yeah, I would I would like to get um, Or the family's
1: property. That that was my first inclination. I would get her Well, that's a very large area. Oh, it's huge.
0: And, you know, there's, who knows if anybody even went out there.
1: I mean, ironically, it's very small, but it's also very big. The lake itself is very big. The community is pretty tight-knit. Up there.
0: Well, the thing is, in West Virginia, when you have, what is it, like 60 acres? 50 or 60 acres, I think. And when you have that much land in a rural place in West Virginia, kind of outskirts of anywhere else, there are things that you can hide and no one could never find.
1: I could give them props if they drug the lake. And the last thing I think we should just touch on is there were some strange relationships within the family, which I think accounts for the amount of time that was kind of gapped between sharice going missing and her being reported but i don't know i still feel like there should have been something reported i do find it odd that norman did not contact her family even though she may have been distanced from them it's still her mom and dad and her family they should have been well i
0: kind of have a question does it have to be a family member that reports someone missing or can like a best friend or i think anybody can report can anybody her, report any... somebody she should missing? have
1: reported her missing
0: who Mormon. Well, yeah you should have a lot of people should have honestly well I just don't. 11 months guys I love you all please don't let me go missing <laughs> for 11 months and not report me
2: it will be 29 years this October since the disappearance of Angela Cherise Gwynn Stevens and her case is still cold she would be 52 years old this year if you or anyone you know has any information regarding the disappearance and murder of Cherise Gwynn Stevens please call crime stoppers at 304255 stop. You can even submit a tip online at www.CrimestoppersOfRaleighCounty.org. You are not required to give your name and are able to submit anonymously.
1: We are a very interactive group. If you have any thoughts regarding the case, check out our blog that's been posted on our website, www.ColdCaseCrewWV.com. We share newspaper clippings, maps, images of the area pertaining to the case. We would love to hear from you and let us know what you think. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Cold Case Crew. What's your theory?